Welcome to Success the Last, a podcast that honestly explores the complicated topic of success. I'm your host, Jared Siegel. I'm a partner at DeLap and leader of our wealth advisory practice. During each episode, we're going to talk to a business owner, entrepreneur, real estate investor, or industry thought leader about their own experiences, insights, and observations as it pertains to life, business, finances, and ultimately fulfillment. Candidly, it can be lonely at the top. Our desire is to use this podcast to connect you with the ideas and resources so you can be better equipped to make more predictable, profitable, and rewarding decisions as you juggle the competing priorities of life, business, and money. Keep in mind, this is a podcast. It's not meant to be a replacement for your CPA or financial advisor, so be sure to check with the appropriate professionals before implementing any of the ideas. Welcome back to another episode of Success That Lasts. Today, I wanted to share an important tool. It's a decision-making hack that comes up almost daily in our financial conversations with clients. It's a heuristic. It's a mental shortcut that eases the cognitive load of decision-making and mitigates some of the negative impacts of predictable biases that we all have. Let's just call them starting lines and finish lines. What do I mean by that? In our fully connected digital world, we're overwhelmed with data every day. In 2021, we're creating 2.5 quintillion bytes of data every day. 90% of the world's data has been created in the last two years alone. That volume of data is due to double every two years. As we've talked about before, these vast amounts of data, they're designed to capture your attention rather than to helpfully educate you. It's designed to trigger emotions, fears, uncertainty, and doubt. I believe this simple heuristic of starting lines and finish lines can create greater clarity and confidence surrounding your decisions. This whole idea comes from a personal experience I had with one of my children. My daughter was running track in elementary school. She had run the 100 meter and she won her heat. She was feeling both excited and confident, so she applied the same strategy to the 1500 meter, just short of a mile, and experienced a similar but notably different outcome. Good news was she was in first place after the first 100 meters. But unfortunately, that wasn't where the finish line was. She didn't have the physical stamina to run the same pace that she had for the 100 meter. So the other runners quickly caught her and passed her. By not clearly defining the finish line, she chose the wrong strategy for the race. As I watched this occur, I realized that too many of us do the same exact thing with our finances. We fail to define the finish line. We fail to identify that there actually might be a lot of finish lines. What is the ultimate destination for these dollars? When do we actually need the money? What is the finish line for this particular decision? Not only that, do we need all the money in one particular year? For a lot of goals like a sustainable retirement income, we might only need 2 to 3% of our wealth in any particular year. Keeping the track metaphor, personal finance is a lot more like a track and field meet with 44 different events, not just a single event with a single finish line. This subtle but important nuance can provide a powerful framework for you to think about and understand your finances. So let's shift our attention from finish lines to what actually precedes them, the starting line. What do I mean when I say starting line? Well, envision this conversation. $1 million is invested. It grows to $2 million before retreating a little bit to $1.9 million. Are you up or down on that investment? Are you up 90% or are you down $100,000? Because of our human bias for loss aversion, Broadly speaking, people feel pain from losses much more acutely than they feel pleasure from gains of the same size. Thus, most people would actually report that they've lost $100,000, not that they've made nine hundred. 
you can see that they're both right depending upon where you actually define the starting line. Also keep in mind, we all have a recency bias. We favor the recent events over the historic ones. It's so easy to fall into this trap, this subtle, but important nuance can provide a powerful framework to how we think about and understand our finances. If you're trying to evaluate decisions, don't skip past the obvious. What's the starting line? What's the finish line? And even more importantly, is there really just one finish line or is it many? I'll end with one more important consideration when evaluating a decision. It's an outcome bias. This is the tendency to judge a decision by its eventual outcome instead of based upon the quality of the decision at the time it was made. Do results matter? Absolutely they do. However, the outcome doesn't always reflect the quality of the decision. Ultimately, the decision-making process is more important over the long term. Case in point, think about poker. It's possible to make a bad decision from a statistical perspective, but still win the hand. Conversely, you can make the right decision and lose the hand. To an inexperienced observer, it's almost impossible to differentiate luck from skill. So what does this look like within your own life? If 90% of your net worth is in a single asset, we know that concentration can create wealth. Great, but what if the goal shifts from creating wealth to preserving wealth? We know that diversification is a proven way to preserve wealth. If you divest of some of that 90% position as a way to de-risk your financial life, that's the right choice independent of the performance of the original position, even if it continues to outperform. Why? How could that be? Well, at the time of the decision, with the information that was available to us, it was the right decision. It's impossible to accurately predict the future performance of any asset. We know that diversification is the only free lunch in finance. We also know that over the past 30 years, a single stock position in the U.S. was 330% more volatile than the benchmark. We also know that over the past 30 years, 37% of all U.S. publicly traded companies experienced a permanent impairment as defined by a 75% loss in its value and not recovering at least 50% of its original value. The decision to divest a portion and diversify was the right decision based upon the quality of the decision-making process, not necessarily on the future performance of the original position. So there you have it. Starting lines, finish lines, and outcome biases. I hope you can take these concepts and integrate them into your own decision-making processes to enjoy greater clarity and confidence. If you found this to be helpful, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. We'll be back next week with some more new content. So until then, 